He's meaty. He's got um, a stake in many sports. That's why they call him Beefy. Yes, indeed. How are you, Beefy? I'm good, funny. How was your weekend? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, I worked a bit on the weekend. I had a. Um, I can see them up on the TV screens now. I had the uh, Sandringham Dragons annual best and fairest, and um, well, given that the game's been played on Fox now, maybe some don't know the results. I won't say what happened in the game, but. I can certainly tell you that they've got a number of players that will be AFL footballers next year, so always great to host that function. And yesterday um came in here to do some work with Scott Lucas on air, so made it um, an abbreviated weekend. Couldn't nice. really get stuck have they into got, much uh, else. Have they got uh, players ready for the, the draft? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll have uh, a couple probably in the top 15, maybe yep. top 10. Okay. Um, last year they had the number one draft pick, Andy McGrath, who won yep. the National Rising Star Award, the NAB Rising Star yep. Award. And he, they're a good organisation, Sandringham, and their past players are more than happy to come back. And he came back, so I had a good chat on stage with him. You know, number one draft pick and yep. lived up to it by winning that major award. A very good player for Essendon, set to move in the midfield. So, yeah, they, they've been strong contributors to the... AFL system for a long time, and at the moment they're really providing some top-end talent. And the the VFL clubs actually get financially compensated, don't they, if uh, players get drafted? The, well, no, no, no they no. don't. These, is that the youth, the like TAC and yeah, the, schools? Yeah, that's just a system that most of the players come through the, um, in Victoria, the TAC Cup, and it's a bit different in interstate football. In WA and South Australia, they actually have come through the club system and end up in the Sandfall or the Waffle. But there's no financial compensation to the clubs that they oh, okay. leave. The TAC competition is the under-18 elite pathway system here in Victoria now for boys and girls, and that's funded by the AFL. Yep. So it's very hard as the clubs, the organisations or programs, um, at times not sure what, what to call themselves. So are the Sandringham Dragons a club? Not really. Yep. But they have a lot of the um, philosophies and ethos of a club because they right. want their players to care for each other. And football doesn't work unless really no, you are a club. Yep. So officially I think they're called programs. Okay. But they, the programs that do best are the ones that best um, mimic actual clubs. Right. So money's not really a critical changing point for uh, for for those programs in no, that setup. No, those yeah. programs are funded. Yeah, and I mean there would not be other than through the TAC Cup. I cannot think of any clubs that there might be some. There might be some very young clubs, but yeah. there, there there aren't clubs that. End at under eighteen level or under okay, at, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. the you know, juniors only basically, yeah, yeah, and there are clubs that are just junior clubs, and they're often in sort of um, expanding areas of Melbourne. So yeah, sure. So somewhere like a um, oh, one of those springs or palms or lakes, <laughs> Caroline Springs and Craigieburn and yeah, yeah, upper Berwick, newer suburbs that yeah, have yeah. names like um, the sort of things you might have see on the Truman Show. <laughs> I know that some of them start off because of the demographic. You know, yeah, they, yeah, they've got true. young families there, yep. so they start off as junior clubs. But the aim is, as the players grow, so the club grows with them, and eventually they field senior teams. Yeah, 
the design here is to be an under-18 uh, program and they think they also have a, an age, age group under that as well. So yeah, the program yeah. is specifically a, a talent pathways program. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting to know because uh, obviously uh, in terms of uh, my education, I've, I've been in Melbourne probably 14 years but still don't quite understand. Yeah, apparently I've been told by Luke and Mentone that the junior football club that the players get drafted from. Oh, the junior football club. I did hear that there was some, but I, I wasn't quite aware of uh, yeah, where I that... Th- I, I don't think it's a, uh, a significant amount. Yeah. But that's yeah. But okay. it's enough to keep these clubs going, and uh, you know. No, I, don't, I don't know if it's that significant. Yeah, I think, yeah. It's, I think it's just um, recognition, a bit of a okay, yeah, a bit of an award, a bit of a prize. Nice. Okay, oh, fair enough. Yeah, like I said, it's uh, one of those things. You, you know, if you're not involved with uh, Aussie rules across the board, you don't quite understand kind of the. Uh, uh, we like to call it a pyramid system, where yeah, you know yeah. it trickles down. And yeah, we call it the pathways. Yeah, for elite, young AFL football, AFL people who play AFL or. Traditionalists prefer to call it Australian rules. I mean, that's another thing. If uh, I'm sure you've been immersed at some point in the nomenclature battle between football and soccer. <laughs> I live it every day. Uh, soccer fans don't exist because there's no. only football fans and those that's who call right. it soccer. Yeah, in, in Australia. Only, it's only anyhow. two countries in the world that call it soccer, really, isn't it? It's Australia and, <laughs> and America. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it was called soccer in England. Yeah, well, a it's point. a shortening. It was a shortening of association football yeah. uh, in the kind of mid eighteen eighties. I mean, yeah. they basically association was shortened to sock, yeah. and that's how it came about, which is, not many people know. Um, so it was actually the Brits that correct <laughs> shortened created it to the word soccer, soccer anyway. So the that that battle is publicly fought, and yeah really does mark one. And it's hard when you're on air because, you know, you want to talk about football, which I will gladly call it during the World Football Hour. Yeah. Because you're, you know, speaking to the uh, congregation. Yeah. But when it's uh, an open-ended sporting hour... Yeah. It's... Uh, I, I mean, the, the obviously, the difference is as well is you're in Victoria and Aussie rules is football. If you go to New South Wales, rugby league is football. And previously in Queensland, rugby union used to be football. Yeah, that's uh, right. So so there's now a problem with Australian rules because sort of surreptitiously and sometimes, you know, almost by osmosis, one is supposed to have absorbed the fact that the game that we love to call footy yep. is AFL. Yes, now, that doesn't sit well at all with those of us who think it through and realise that AFL is actually just a very large organisation organisation yeah, yeah. that that runs the um, elite competition, the AFL, for 18 clubs. But it's only a league. So when this was a sort of a genesis of an idea, in Queensland and New South Wales, players... Started, you know, I didn't know this was happening, and this caught me off guard many, many years ago when I met somebody on the Gold Coast who said he played AFL, and I assumed, you know, he was on the then Brisbane Bears yeah. um, rookie list or supplementary yeah. list because I'd never heard of him. And as I further explored, he was a player for Southport, or uh, yeah, he one played of those. for he did play for oh, Southport. Oh, there you go, yeah. But, you know, never, not close to being good enough to playing AFL football. But yep. it, that's the first time I'd heard it referred to as AFL. But yeah. now... Oh, it's becoming the... As, uh, well, as, per Fo- as per Fox 
sports coverage. Yep. They call it, um, there's, I think, league. They, football is football is the round ball game. Yep. AFL is AFL. Yeah. There's league and rugby. Yeah. Which is probably about right. The four sports. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of that, I mean, you've got your Fox footy channel, I guess. So uh, that's it. And, I mean, I'm just looking behind you, finding. Look at, look at the screens, the glorious new SEN screens. Yeah, Melbourne's home of footy. Melbourne's home of footy. And, so, uh, I mean, we like, and to, then we're I not... like to refer to it as footy, yeah. football. But the AFL has mm, certainly not done anything to stop the the engulfing of the term football by AFL. Yeah. And even in school, kids are asked, do you want to play AFL or basketball? or Yeah. And it's branding by, uh, a little bit of branding by stealth. And if if they're not actively involved in this happening, the AFL is certainly uh, not doing anything to correct the... No. It, correct it. It, I, it, is, it should be called Australian Rules Football. Yeah, and that's it. And I think that the other, the other side of things is it's coming into everyday life for like... You know, it's uh, American football. It's we refer to that as a sport as NFL now. You yeah, know, where it used to be gridiron. Well, kind of gridiron and yeah, I used uh, to call it gridiron. Yeah, and then if you go to the UK, it's you know straight out American football. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just seems to be kind of NFL. The, yeah. yeah. The uh, the the, the power, mature. The the powerful money behind the sport has, in those cases, has got no problems with, especially because they are sports specific to one country. Yeah. So as the as the and in America, there's not much American football besides the NFL. Oh, very little. Apart yeah. from, I mean, college is is hundred yeah, times college, bigger. In America, there's really college football. And, but if you and don't get drafted to the NFL out of college, you, you basically don't. You don't play for your you local end up team. Playing, you probably play rugby. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of leagues uh, kicking around that try and keep guys in uh, in the NFL in American football to you know to make that next step just in case. But that's right. They're, Canadian football. League. Well, the CFL, indeed, that's uh, quite interesting up there. Twelve aside, bigger field, three downs. It's madness up there. But uh, uh, in terms of that, yeah, club club gridiron is few and far between. Yeah. I mean, injuries are a huge thing. A, there's injuries. B, the size required. If you were to mimic NFL, yeah. I mean, there's stadium football there. There's yeah, yeah. versions of, but but to mimic NFL. Yeah. As we have here, the AFL, and then hundreds, thousands of teams that yeah. play oh, very, right. basically the same game. Yeah. There, you need a huge number of teams. You, yeah. you need to be learning plays. That's you know, exactly right. Who That's, on earth uh, is going to spend, if you're not a full professional, who on yeah. earth, earth is going to spend their time, the time required to learn the system? Oh, that's right. And it, the number of leagues that have popped up and failed after very short tenures... Um, is amazing. Like we had the XFL, which was obviously owned by the wrestling people. We had a development league in the in the northeast of the states that kind of came and went after one season. The USFL, which Donald Trump was a part of, uh, one of the clubs. Uh, you know that kind of came and went as a as a, as a direct competitor to the NFL. And uh, the NFL is just this huge juggernaut now that uh, just keeps trekking on by. And uh, in terms of any other club competitions, that uh, it just nobody gets a look in. It's it's never going to get challenged again. It's just it's become the world force in sports. I mean, it is bigger essentially now in turnover for for money. Even though there's a report out this week that uh, kind of attendances down, TV uh, TV viewers are down like huge amounts, eighteen percent or something ridiculous. So uh, they're fighting a they're fighting a struggle, but 
you know, it's it's one of these things that just keeps on moving along. And obviously, they have the Super Bowl that just kind of uh, captures everyone's imagination for one day of the year. And it just become the it's become this huge kind of focus of everything. And obviously, the AFL now is models itself on what the NFL is doing. So it's uh, well, you, you can't model yourself on a better league, even though uh, sometimes that uh, things are. You know, a bit uh, seedy sometimes in NFL circles, but uh, in terms of where they're at, well, I'll tell you what I know. Interesting so, you should mention them because we just had the Super Bowl rematch. We did today, indeed. Um, no change in result. No, <laughs> apart from the, the New England got out to an early lead instead of coming from behind. Yeah. Um, but in terms of that, what uh, what I was going to say is what I've noticed. I'm a huge NFL fan. I used to go to the States a lot to go and watch games. What I noticed uh, over a, a, a time span is the huge Latino population in the States were picking up on NFL, and they were at the games in force, in numbers. So uh, when that, that was the whole um, sort of um, belief in MLS, that the Latino yes. population would flock to the MLS and yeah. turn it into one of the biggest leagues in the world. Well, strangely enough, it, it kind of is, but uh, in terms of quality, it isn't. Um, but, yeah, regarding that, and it's uh, it's one of those interesting things how I think it's the same in Australia. The quality speaks for itself. So you will get spectators passing interest, but the diehard fan wants to see quality, you know, and that's where the MLS doesn't quite equate. And obviously, if you, the thing is, being so close to Mexico and South America, there are very few follow a second team religiously. They want to follow their flamencos and River Plates and Boca Juniors and yep. Atlas in Mexico and all those. You know, they're not glued on, nailed down diehards for the Galaxy or the San Jose Quakes or FC Dallas. Their football passion is deep, yeah. but only for one club Basically. and one alone. I can and, understand yeah. that. Yeah, and that's it. You know, if you're born and bred in those in those places, fair enough, but it, it's such a transient population that, uh, you know, it's very, very difficult to, to grow these things. And like I said, you can't grow these things overnight. The MLS and the teams there, it's 15, 20 years. Because it's generational, you need to get that second generation into the stadiums and into the clubs and learning the players. And we have the same issue with Australia a lot of the time is the players you grow up loving, if they hit form, they they're really, off. Yeah. You know, so it's it's difficult to build those bridges and it's difficult to form that relationship. You know, it's I think what what we kind of missed in the A League a little bit is a little bit of that tribal stuff the ethnicity which we we try to you know there was bad things involved obviously with that we had they had to eradicate it or dilute it a little bit but we missed that and i think the two sydney teams the sorry the the team from sydney and the team from melbourne coming in to create a rivalry was it could only be a good thing yep. but unfortunately they were 7 8 years behind in uh, in building their franchise I hate that word but there you go it, it is really now you may be able to answer this with your great depth and understanding of sports worldwide and their histories. I've always been curious as to how baseball has become in a difficult to plot geographically group yeah. of countries yeah. a major sport. Yeah, yeah. So I would just say in, uh, in Central America there's a, a, a conglomeration. Yeah. Well, you've got Cu Cuba. Cuba. It is their... Baseball is king. No, national game. Um, Dominican Republic. Huge. Panama. Huge. Yeah. Venezuela. Venezuela a little bit, yeah. Um, then into Japan. It's 
always a strange one, that. Always Chinese a strange Taipei. one. Taipei? Yeah, a little bit. They're more softball, weren't they, really? Chinese Taipei got behind it. Um, weirdly enough, Holland, for, for a long time, they've dropped off way, way now. But Holland were a, a kind of the top four or five in the world for a long time. But... Uh, <laughs> Just, I mean, Australia, obviously. It's, Puerto uh, Rico, of course, huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. The problem with the Cubans Cuba, is Cuba. They, weren't, they weren't allowed out. Yeah. They, I mean, they've got these huge leagues. They get massive crowds in dilapidated stadiums. But, I mean, the best players had to be smuggled out and yeah. uh, under cloak of darkness and on boats and all sorts to, to try yeah. and get contracts in the States. But strangely enough, what Fidel kind of didn't realize at the time is that that money was probably going to go back to Cuba. Um, but he, he just wanted to keep his uh, his star players in Cuba for people to kind of well, so they wouldn't even look to the states for a better life. That was uh, part of the issue. So, was baseball in the early days was it um, like a what would you call it proselytizing sport? Did they go out and attempt to win fans around the world, or had? I don't think they ever really did. I mean, it was one of those things that uh, obviously baseball it grew out of cricket. It was a uh, bastardization, so to speak, of, of cricket over there, and yep. uh, they didn't really get out. I mean, the only the only people that took it overseas, I'm not sure about Central America and in the Caribbean and whatever, but obviously it was U.S. military bases, yep. you know, posted overseas that played it, but they never obviously made any inroads in the U.K. because of cricket uh, and other Commonwealth countries, but obviously Holland and Germany a little bit. Philippines, no, but they're a huge presence there. It's yeah. just interesting how it uh, has become imprinted on some countries and not others. There you go, South Korea, they're another baseball nation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, these nations provide many players to Major League Baseball, the Central American countries, yep. well, you know, it, it, there's not a, a Major League team in America whose uh, pitching staff, whose entire roster oh. wouldn't be decimated without, well, that's without it. Latin American I know in, talent. Uh, I know in Miami... Um, you know, they try to build a team around Cubans in Miami to, to create this interest for the local population because the Marlins struggle for a long time. Crowds dwindle and everything else. I know we used to have Dave Sampson on the, on SEN in the, in the mornings. And uh, in terms of what they try to do is build up this huge team full of Latinos so that the local Cuban population could actually follow them and get behind them and actually learn to love them. Um, you know, so they're going okay, the Marlins, uh, but... You know, you've you've got to build teams around. I mean, everything's about winning, and unfortunately, you, you get to see the Red Sox and the Yankees and a few other big name uh, big name teams flaunt this soft salary cap and just end up paying fines, even though to build the the biggest, most expensive rosters they can. We're going to go to the break. We were talking earlier about Sandringham Dragons. I'm watching on Fox Football. Charlie Constable having a shot at goal and kicking it straight through the middle, and he is a a top 10 pick. He'll be at an AFL club next year and he's a sort of larger potentially midfielder and with St Kilda, my, team's, my team having a pick at 7 and 8. I would love it to be C Constable. It would be very nice. So we're going to take a break and then get stuck into some cliff diving, dragon boat racing, polo, I say. I say polo. That's nice. <laughs> Haven't visited uh, and Dogsball? Really? Not oh, yeah. just a movie? We'll find out when we get back. Welcome back, 1116 SEN. And we are... Oh, this is interesting. We, we've been discussing... We, we have our normal sports to go through with Kieran Beefy Blake, but have been diverted to a road not 
any less interesting. Uh, talking a bit about uh, how baseball has become prominent in some countries, not the other, and Beefy opined that it had to do with American Military, forces. Yeah. yeah, and confirmation here. Both Japan and South Korea picked up baseball, baseball from the American occupying forces after World War Two and the Korean War. Cheers. Yep. There you and go. Well, it's that, kind of like, um, not military, but Afghan. Uh, Afghan. Afghanistan picked up cricket because of the refugees from Pakistan were literally kind of, <laughs> they, they ran away into Afghanistan. They all played, they all started playing cricket and the local Afghanis started playing with them. And it's yeah. uh, it's grown from there, which is, it was just a phenomenal story, really. Yeah. And it grew very quickly. And that influence... You know, there's sort of lists of countries' traditional or national sports. Yeah. I think we need to draw a line. So it's a quite an interesting take between what is a, a traditional or cultural sport yep. as compared to a national sport. Yeah, exactly. We got, you gave the example during yeah. the break of Brazil. Brazil. People obviously think that uh, the national sport of Brazil is football because 99.9% of uh, males, females, kids, unborn babies, pets and everything else play football. But their national, official national sport is capoeira, which is well, it's not really a, even a sport. It's a kind of display of martial arts, and it's a it's a kind of uh, in unison type uh, type oh. like a tai chi, like tai chi for the <laughs> combative tai chi, yeah, tai chi for yeah. the more more aggressive, <laughs> yeah. But, but they, they but, love that, and it's like you said, it's it's cultural. You grew up doing capoeira, and it's one of those things that they're very proud of, and uh, everything else. So by definition, that means. Uh, as a as a national sport culturally yeah only england could claim or britain could claim football it yeah. can only it can only belong to one country y- yes basically but unless you're where a new we know country. that yeah where <laughs> we know that most countries in the a lot i'd say most countries in the world yep. have as their main sport, main sport. Yeah, or most numerous or most number of participants, I guess. I don't like saying, I mean, Argentina would be the same, but I know their national sport is polo, yeah. um, just culturally and everything else. But uh, So uh, do you know what the – so we'll call the – put aside main sport, which is, uh, of course, uh, going to be football in most In a countries, lot of countries, A lot yes. of countries and – Basketball and others, and yep. it, just in terms of main sport, yeah. uh, in parts of in parts of Europe, in Eastern Europe, uh, volleyball's very strong. Yeah, Croatia and uh, Italy and uh, places like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and, and, it, Greece, and there, obviously. And there are certain countries where alpine sports really Austria, are, yeah, yeah. goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. But in all of those countries, probably their main sport still remains as. Football, yeah, but you know the the sport akin to the culture. So on that basis, what's the national sport? Do you know of Jordan? I've got no idea. I Finally. can tell you, it's of nowhere else. Yes, falconry. Oh, there you go. Same in um, oh, UAE. I, 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 I said of yeah. nowhere else. Yes, there no, are. Actually, I'm saying, but of just in, in that, that in the, that Middle East. Yeah, but uh, uh, UAE. I think that's the national sport of UAE as well. Is falconry? So yeah. uh, probably Qatar as well. Possibly. Yeah. yeah so Saudis. So I'm thinking. 
You know, every kid here, every kid, remember every, remember growing up, you had your footy and your, yeah. your cricket bat. What was your first bat? A grey nickels? So do they have talk back there? How old were you when you got your first falcon? Well, they have, um, you know, as well, they have uh, falcon beauty contests. They have camel beauty contests as well in the UAE, uh, but falcon beauty that's contests That's why you have to huge. run. You do, yeah. You don't want to get an ugly one. No, that's right. I know where you're going with that, and it's a kind of, that's a sheep joke as well, by the way. Um... There you go. Didn't Afghanistan beat Bangladesh in Scotland in cricket in the World Cup? Well, I think they probably did. But, well, did, uh, but, but Afghanistan and Ireland have been granted test status. Yes. They just had no test opponents no. for the gonna... next three. Two. The, these test schedules been done. So yeah. even though they've got test status. Yeah. But I, I think, did I see on BBC the other week that Ireland have just announced they're going to play a, a test match next year? Well, they may do. No, won't be next year. I don't think it's next year. Okay. All right. Uh, the official word is that they both have test status. Yeah, but, but nobody wants to play them because the schedule's uh, already done. As yet, yeah. you know, for the next... Well, they just play each other for the next three for years. For the next two years, it's a best they're of not 40, It's the best of 46 series, home and away. I remember how excited I was. It's just a different world we live in. I was so excited when Sri Lanka got test status. Yep. You know, because I had all my cricket scorebooks and, yeah. and I, I followed Sri Lanka... Um, religiously through yep. my first viewing of them yeah, yeah. at the 75 World Cup, the first ever World Cup. Yep. And for a short period, as I was an unusual unusual child, on my... I, I always had... Nothing's sporting, changed. I always had sporting <laughs> posters on my walls. Yeah. It's funny because I had a corkboard... I had a desk. My parents wanted me to be studious. Oh, yeah, yeah. That desk was never all. used for study. <laughs> and behind the desk was a corkboard, apparently also helpful in turning child into doctor, but failed with me. Uh, and a globe, like a, a, a globe of the world, yep. which I de-hinged and used oh. as a ball. So a very hard, painful ball. So I had always had posters. Normally on the corkboard, that was reserved for my favourite selection of... Sri Lankan cricketers. No, teams that I liked and odd teams yep. from Shoot Magazine. Oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, I had Berry Football Club oh, up there. What a team. And they, they were in the small. There was a smaller picture and a bigger picture. Yeah. But I like the smaller teams. Shrewsbury <laughs> yeah. Town. Shrewsbury Town. A gay medal. Well, that's why, because it had like underneath <laughs> play at gay medal. Yeah. Um. And then on the walls, which my mother didn't like, because that involved sticky tape on the wallpaper. Yep. Uh, which I'd love to say was flock, but it wasn't because it was normal wallpaper. <laughs> yeah. Um. Th- there used to be a cricket magazine that came out, and it had full. Page color pictures. Oh, of the Taverner. Oh, I don't know what it was called. Yeah, I don't think it was called the Taverner. Okay, maybe yeah. just cricketer. Yeah, um, well, but it had full like not even any borders or boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And just re- just a poster. Just each page was just you know. Yeah, uh, and I, I you know, I would not see that again because that came out when I was about ten. Oh, okay, I would not see that again, or that would not excite me again until no. I bought a certain publication called. Electric blue, but that's very different. <laughs> oh that also word. went to the very edges. Yep. But I'm telling you that for a short period of time, yep. on my walls were no Australian cricketers. There was no West Ham. There was only on one ball, Berry in Shrewsbury. <laughs> but I had Tenacoon. I had, um, I'll tell you the players I remember. Uh, a Fernando, a guy called Fernando. There's probably De Silva there. Yeah, I remember Tenacoon, yeah. Fernando. Demel. Kangaroo Boo. Um, no, before, before them. Before them. Yep. Um, 
and and their their very foundation, Roy, uh, a chap whose surname was yeah. Roy, and their sort of foundation members of seventy five. And when they got test status, I was so excited yeah. and then disappointed for the next fifteen six, years, six nine years or something till we played them. Yeah. I mean, I think our first test was in Candy. Might be Roger Woolley's only test. Oh, there you go. Hey, getting back to these national sports, we yes. just mentioned Afghanistan. I think we said uh, Buskashi must be their is national that that sport. Oil, oiled up wrestling? No, no, no. Buskashi is this polo. Oh, is that the polo with the man's with head? The, no, with the dead goat. Oh, yeah, but originally, the, the, originally uh, no, as a warrior nation, no. isn't, wasn't that, I can the, give you, uh, I can is that give, the urban myth? I can give you the background. It's, it's a village versus village sport. Now, you yeah. play polo with a decapitated goat's body. Yeah. Now, there's two wells, basically two holes, which are the goals. The idea is to get this decapitated goat's body into the well. Now, goats obviously weigh 50 or 60 kilos. Oh, by the way, you're on horseback. Yes. Uh, trying to wrestle so this. So it's not gutted. No, it's, the only thing missing is his head. Yeah. So the idea is you fight for the body of the goat because that's how you feed your village. If you won, you won the goat and you get to cook it up. So that's how they kicked around all day by stepped on. Well, it's got skin and it. it's protected. Yeah. Um, but uh, for Rambo fans, that's how uh, John Rambo tried to get the Afghans on side by playing Buskashi with the locals to uh, prove he was a man and get their support. Apparently, so I, th- I thought the urban legend myth behind it was that it used to be the head of a defeated foe. Well, I think that is urban myth. Is. I think it is because uh, maybe not so urban, maybe rural. Because, as you well know, finally, I actually went to Kazakhstan trying to seek out Buskashi, yeah, and didn't find it. No, less than one percent of the population in Kazakhstan speak English. Now that's quite difficult when you're by yourself trying to work out really? how to find Buskashi. So less than one percent speak. English. Less than one percent actually speak English. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. amazing. It's tough to get around, and uh, it's, it's funny because I travelled in 1985 and then in 1989. Yeah. 1985, uh, there were many places I went to where English was spoken by very few people. Yeah. Then 1989, by then it had improved. And as the years have gone on, I've been back overseas and found that the uptake in English has been huge around the world. Yeah. And I try to explain to my daughter, who travels quite a bit, that there was a time when English was only got you... Well, only really got you to the Pension front desk once you head out into the streets. That's I'm talking, exactly I'm talking about right. Italy and, and places yeah. that are now, you know, so well trod by tourists that they just absolutely had to learn English. But there was a time yeah. the front desk at your hostel or Pension. That's the only people. Would and speak some broken yeah. English, maybe? No, exactly. And uh, it's. Look, People think, you know, you see Kazakhstan or Mongolia or these places on TV. Yeah, there's a reason why it's on TV and why the people can speak English. They've been found. It's, if you so go it's by really, yourself, really hard. If you go by yourself, organised, you know, by yourself and just turn up and expect things to happen, it doesn't. And it's uh, it's very difficult to, to work out. And like I said, I, trying to deal with the people in Kazakhstan about where I could find Buskashi by showing them pictures of the spot and they say oh yeah well we think it's kind of here and here go go for a drive and then but once you're out there who are you going to talk to you can't stop a local (laughs) and say uh i'm looking for buskashi uh yeah it's funny because when when i went when i was traveling yeah um i used to scour about a bit looking for 
greyhound racing, you know. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. And whippet racing. I, yep. I, I raced a whippet and had greyhounds, and I loved the sport for the sport that it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to see it in places less common. Now, I went and saw it in Spain, in Barcelona. It was horrific at one place. The Canadroma did something. Yep. Literally located wedged between two high-rise buildings in a very bad part of town. Yeah. And the only gambling you could do was on exactors. Oh, yeah. There were six couple. dogs per yep. field. Cruelly, and the dogs were in terrible condition. Yeah, Very yeah. sad to see. Cruelly, um, in one meeting, there'd be 24 races, and one dog would race three times. Oh, okay. Then they had another track in another part of town, which was actually a very nice track, looked very much like Sandown, yeah. where they had quality racing. So this was, and the dogs for the um, Canadromo de something yeah. uh, were all trucked in in these giant trucks oh, with, wow. um, with the pictures of greyhounds on them. It was all, all, all horrid. Yeah. But in Holland, I had an experience like you. Not that they didn't speak English, yep. but that they didn't know really. Cause I got, what you were talking I, about. Because <laughs> I, I saw a poster. There was no computers or internet yeah. uh, talking about greyhound racing in this locale. So I'd written down the details and the time. Yeah. And people eventually said, you know, I was in outer suburban Amsterdam. And no, this is a field. You know, this is where they play football and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I just, they said they'll show me where it is. And one guy actually drove me there because I was at the train station. Yeah, yeah. And he drove me there. And I was happy to. And there was nobody there. But just luckily, just as I was about to leave, somebody turned up with one greyhound. <laughs> and I thought, well, something. Yeah, yeah. And within an hour, they had, with netting and, oh, yeah. and sticks and a little uh, motorized yeah. drag lure. Yeah. Created a great track. created yeah, yeah. a greyhound track. Um, <laughs> the netting was to stop the dogs from absconding into the suburb, suburbs if they saw a cat or another dog. I was told, um, and that was it. That one greyhound blossomed into about a hundred and ten dogs, beautiful, all racing for ribbons and for the love of the ah, sport, and you. not all greyhounds. Oh, okay. Some Afghans, Afghan some hands. lurchers, some half and half, some they, whippets. Do they still do the Afghan racing at um, at they, uh, Broadmeadows? They well, used they, to, didn't they? they? I, I once they used to do it a bit at Albion Park. Okay. The, if you've never seen it, it's languid, long hair, large, hairy, languid greyhounds. <laughs> yes. Um, Very now good. off the SMS. This is good. Kabaddi might be national sport in oh. Bangladesh around there. Possibly kabaddi, obviously Indian sport, but obviously you've got to contend with cricket and and hockey. We'll have to look that up. I, I would imagine cricket being quite new to Indian hockey, being early nineteen hundreds. I would have thought field hockey was probably their official national sport, but it's probably cricket nowadays. I mean, kabaddi to me looks like a game where somebody stole the ball and didn't <laughs> tell the players. It's hilarious. You uh, should look up the if you if you, people are interested in kabaddi. Yeah, we saw the World Cup early this year with a few of the uh, Aussie Rules players. Look up the World Kabaddi League because they have changed the sport. It's on a bigger field. It's hilarious. You've got to see it. It's very funny. Off the SMS, what's the sport in South America where you play in the top of sport uh, court highlight? and use a sling, a palotta? Yeah, it's a called bet- highlight, and it's a betting sport in the States, actually. It's not it's huge. It's a betting sport somewhere else because yeah. I've got a great story. Yeah. You tell me yours. Um, you can't operate a casino in Florida unless... You, you have you know a live sport. Do you know what a palotta court is called? A uh, 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 fronton. A fronton. Yes. Well, my first trip to Barcelona, which yeah. I loved, I stayed on Los Ramblas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Los Ramblas had a fronton. Yes, they do. 
and they had you know and just seeing a sport there that me and yep. my mate jumped in now is this the highlight against the wall yep or is this the other no, it's highlight against the yeah. wall so and gambling was done in a very yeah. interesting way they had a tennis ball with the a top a hole cut out like yep. a square cut out of the top of the tennis ball and you would place a wager in the tennis ball and the wager would be the um a, a special slip that you got yeah with what was then some pesos or whatever the Spanish yeah, yeah. official pesetas pesetas what the yeah. note you rose back in the day and you were given a little a very small rubber band and you would roll the rubber band and the thing up and there were odds yeah and uh you would put it in and then have to throw the ball back to the bookmaker oh, no. wherever you were sitting so yeah. you'd throw it back and if you're a bad throw somebody throw it yeah and he would acknowledge with his own pen on that slip right. the odds at the time you placed it yeah and then he might have six balls going at any time. Yeah. And there were like balls flying around of bets. Nice. You'd stay in your seat and just... And, <laughs> and it actually was considered a lack of... Um, a lack... Not of not of manhood. A lack of... Um, of of high-lie... Being high-lie savvy... Yeah. If you didn't throw the ball back to him... On one bounce. Yeah, sure. You don't throw it back to him on the floor. On the floor, it's got to be one he bounce. Was, he was yeah. sort of in a, a concreted area, and yep. the skill was to throw. So there was actually a skill in betting. Yeah, of course. He was obviously a one-day international wicketkeeper for, throughout the 80s and 90s when they, the ball came in on the <laughs> on first the bounce. bounce. We yeah. need to take a break. Ended up getting quite friendly with a couple of Americans who played highlight. Yeah. And we, you know, we socialised with them, went to, uh, on a few days in a row. Yep. There's one bad thing about highlight, why... I, don't like the sport, and when we come back, I'll tell you what that Beautiful. is. Well, welcome back. Now, we're talking about Hialai or Palotta. Got some yeah. great SMSs through. Yeah. As people are familiar with these sports, less familiar. In fact, uh, this one has not been mentioned. There's only one country in the world where the national or dominant sport is rugby league. Oh, I'm thinking, uh, ooh, France? No. PNG. Oh, yeah, of course. Papua New Guinea goes out soon. But I said, you know, he was his sport. Now, Hialai, or Pelota, describes itself as the fastest ball sport in the world because yep. the ball travels. It's a hard ball. It's, yes. It's about the size of a uh, sort of uh, between a billiard ball and a tennis ball, I would have thought. I was going to say, I was actually going to say pool ball size. Yeah, so Probably a, a little, bit bigger. You reckon? I yeah. Thought it was a bit, yeah it's but as hard. Oh, harder. Just hard. Well, they say, I mean, it travels faster than a golf ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm that's, saying, that's, it's that's the how fastest, quick it is. It yeah. is the fastest ball sport in the world. Yeah. What players do is with a long, um, it looks like a, a giant long. A wicker scoop. Yeah, a giant long extension of their arm. Yeah. Um, well, the ball runs down that and they hurl it at, it builds up enormous speed and yeah. you whip it into a side wall, yeah. into into the front. You play, basically play with two walls. Yes. And you throw it either front on. On the front on, yep. or to the side. There's one reason why I don't like this sport at all. It cannot. I am left-handed, and it cannot be played no, left-handed because it. for me to play it, I would be hurling the ball into the net through which the spectators watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> so and there's a net on the so on the spectator side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no there's no provision for. Throwing it left-handed, you no, can't do it. No, there isn't. You they can't do a backhand throw. They don't let. Uh, they kind of. Some of the players actually go run the wrong way and then whip around mm. like a hammer thrower or but a the, discus thrower. To, yeah, but the this, big thing is how they catch it coming oh, back. It's crazy. And in doubles, how they use yeah. their teammates no, to exactly. to ride their teammates. Yep. Like we go for a specky. It's brilliant to yeah. watch. 
That's it. Talking about national sports, I actually, I uh, it's the Speedway this Saturday night at Etihad Stadium. One country in the world is national sport is Speedway. Polish? Text in. Oh, oh, I, that's great. All right, we'll try another method. Yes, go on then. Uh, rather than do that. So I've got two tickets to the Speedway Grand Prix Saturday night at Etihad Stadium. It is going to be phenomenal. They've already sold 20-odd thousand tickets. Jason Doyle could well become world Speedway champion. So we've got two tickets to give away. This will be a bit of a maths question. In every Speedway race, how many wheels are there going around oh, there you go. per race? <laughs> They're a great question. How many wheels on a, in one heat of Speedway yeah, in one heat, general? That's right. Uh, text in straight away, and we will give you two tickets to the Speedway on Saturday night, courtesy of Eddie Head Stadium. Uh, look, if you don't win the tickets, please, please get along to uh, this event. It is absolutely phenomenal. They've already started building the track. 5,000 tonnes of dirt got shipped in over the last couple of days into Eddie Head Stadium. They're building the track right now. Please put your name with the answer. Yes. And... Two tickets will have two correct answers. Yep. Two tickets, and there'll be four tickets given away. Yep, that's no problem at all. Now, a final question off the SMS. What is the name of the Turkish national sport with oil wrestling? Uh, Turkish wrestling? <laughs> but they, they, there is, I've, I've seen that, it's a great sport. Yeah. They wear sort of pants up to their, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's pants up to your waist. And then, yeah, a great deal of strength thereafter. I, I, I know it's English, and we would call it oil wrestling. That's what it is. Um, Men in leather pants, lathered in olive oil. Yes. Yeah, first time on his back loses, no time limit, from Reggie in Reservoir. Oil wrestling. Oil wrestling. That's what it is. And I know that in Sudan, their national sport, the, Nub yep. the Nubian warriors have a form of their own wrestling that is yep. ferocious and... Some of the greatest physiques in the world. In fact, some of the great sports fo photographs of the, are the of these Nubian warriors yeah. wrestling in their national sport of wrestling. Yeah, national sport of wrestling. Now we've had two correct answers. Yes, one is from Joanne. Uh, yeah, and Tony in Denver Hills. Yes, yeah. and what is the correct answer? It is Poland. <laughs> <laughs> that was the original question. Said, Gerald said Poland. <laughs> yeah, um, Gerald, well done. Uh, yes, it is eight. Obviously, four bikes, two wheels, four times two. If you did your maths homework, is eight. Beefy, keep an ear out for Beefy Blake every Wednesday night. Yeah, 11 p.m. till midnight. Myself and Rob Bryce tell you more stories about stuff we did on the road.